this morning, I've got a very short lead here, hang on. That's better, I can preach with considerably more freedom now. This morning we're starting a new series on mission. Mission is our part in God's great plan to rescue the whole of his creation from sin, evil and death. So this is going to be fun. We are going to enjoy ourselves. And this morning, we're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read it as we go. And Sean is going to read verses 1 and 2 for us. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Thank you very much indeed. So Peter's aim in this letter is to stimulate us to wholesome thinking. Whatever that means. In other words, Peter wants to rewire our brain. That is what Peter is trying to do. He wants us to look out and to see our life, our family, our friends, our work, our circumstances, everything in our life in light of what God had said. That would be good, wouldn't it? That would be good if we saw everything in our life in light of what God said. That would change how we live, wouldn't it? What did he have specifically in mind? Verses 3 to 7. First of all, you must understand that in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Thank you. I love that in verse 3. In these last days, scoffers will come eating cookies and driving Teslas. No, scoffers will come... Scoffing. Scoffing. Yes, fantastic. Most people in this country don't mock the second coming of Jesus because most people in this country have no idea what the second coming of Jesus would mean. But the real reason people don't believe in God is not because of the evidence. If we can get verse 5 up on the screen... What's the real reason that people don't believe, according to this verse? We deliberately forget. We deliberately choose to listen to the voices that say, we're fine, we don't need to think about God, we don't need to worry about him, he's some old, outdated idea. Get on with life, have fun, don't worry about it. There is no blindness darker than the blindness that we choose. 
But we are not to be like that. And there are two stories from the Old Testament that Peter wants us to keep in mind. So verse 5 again. What's the Old Testament story that um, Peter wants us to remember in verse 5? Creation. Absolutely. If there is meaning and purpose and order in this world, it has to come from the one who made it. Our lives will have no lasting meaning, no real purpose, no future, until we realize that we are creatures of our creator, God. He's our God. We're his people. He alone holds the keys to true life. Only God, the creator, can make sense of everything else. Okay, if we can get verse 6 up. What is the Old Testament story that God wants us to consider in verse 6? Noah. <laughs> Noah and the flood. Noah's Ark, God's judgment and the great flood. Corrupt humanity was wiped out in judgment, but Noah and his family were saved on a boat, the Ark, and they were brought into a renewed world. I want you to take a moment and imagine what it would be like to live in Noah's day. Life going on all around you just as it always had, but the clock was ticking. Tick, tick, tick. And one day the water would come and wash everything away. And the only thing that would matter would be, are you on the ark or not? <laughs> The ark is the only game in town. Now look at verse 7. The days of Noah before the flood are a picture of our day. Tick, tick, tick. And Peter here, he's not saying something new. He's not saying a bright idea that's come into his mind. Peter is repeating what he'd heard from Jesus. Some verses from Matthew 24, verse 37 forward. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. This is God's world. And Jesus is coming back as judge to throw sin and evil and death and all of their agents out of this creation. Tick, tick, tick. But the evil around us is really, really 
bad and the suffering around us is really, really bad. Why hasn't he come back yet? Verses 8 and 9, please. <laughs> but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Amen. When you read the New Testament, I reckon some of the writers of the New Testament anticipated Jesus coming back very, very soon. But Peter here wisely reminds us that God's time scale is not like our time scale. Our life is, at most, a hundred and a little bit years maybe, but all time is God's time. I am very often in a hurry, aren't I Stephen? I run about five minutes behind life, I think, most of the time. God is not in a hurry. And in verse 9, he explains why there's a gap between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. He wants people to repent. In other words, by delaying his return, he creates a window of salvation. A time when God's grace is available to us to save us from sin, to transform us and to bring us into eternal life. 2 Corinthians 6 tells us now is the day of salvation. Or if we turn back to that story of Noah's ark and the flood, Jesus is the ark. Now is the time to get on the boat because the flood is coming. Now is the window of salvation. Tick, tick, tick. Note the crucial thing in verse 9. Get verse 9, there it is. You're ahead of me. Fantastic, thank you. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Who does God want to perish? Who does God want to come to repentance? Who does God want to come to repentance? Who does God want to come to repentance? Hallelujah. This is really important because this tells us something really big about the heart of God. There is nobody that God doesn't love. There is nobody that God doesn't want to save. God loves everyone. God's offer of salvation is truly for everyone. Yeah? There are some... Some Christians who doubt that, who have confusion in their head about that. There is no confusion in this passage. God wants no one to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But that condition is a condition that offer is a conditional offer. It is an offer made to those who will repent and believe. There is a window of salvation. That window will not stay open forever. God is not infinitely patient. Because if God is infinitely patient, then he would be waiting for something that was never going to happen, yeah? God isn't infinitely patient. 
first 10 and 11, and the first half of verse 11. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Exactly. Exactly that. So Peter is trying to re rewire, rewire our thinking. He wants us to see our life in light of the fact that actually this is God's world and we are his creatures. He wants us to see that Jesus is going to come back as judge. So Peter is saying that to think wholesomely, to think well, is to think about these things. And when we see the world and look at the world, if we keep those things in mind, then that will help us to see things as they truly are. Not like all the other people in Noah's day who just got on with their everyday life, went about getting married, doing jobs, doing whatever did, and then they were all swept away. So when we're thinking right, when we're thinking wholesomely, then that question at the beginning of verse 11 is exactly the question. Please, will you read it with me? Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Amen, that's the question right there. This is God's world. Jesus is coming back. Lord what would you have me do, verse 11b to 15? You ought to live holy and godless, godly lives. Sorry. You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth the home of righteousness. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. And Thank you. You might imagine that, Jesus, that Peter would say, go out and tell everyone about Jesus. Quick! Sorry about that. And that is certainly implied in this passage. But he's a lot more explicit about holiness and godliness. Let's think about holiness for a moment. We have trouble with the word holiness because certainly in English culture it's come to mean moral strictness, moral severeness, austerity. Holiness is purity of love. To be holy is to be set apart, devoted to God, and God is love. And to be, to be set apart for God is to live a life of love, without any compromise, with selfishness, with ego, with pride, with greed, with lust. To be holy is to love. Let's think about mission for a moment. Mission is what happens when God's love runs into a hurting,
broken, lost, dying world. God's love rushes towards it with grace and mercy. So holiness and mission are bound together. And this is important because unless we remember that, then mission can just collapse into a program or a strategy or an activity or a promotional plan for Jesus. That isn't mission. True mission must flow out of God's heart of love. Because this is God's world. And Jesus is coming back again. And this world is lost in darkness and rebellion, set against God, enslaved to sin and death. And God loves every single human being. Who does God want to perish? Who does God want to come to repentance? Amen. Amen. He wants them to come to him, to be transformed by him, to be with him for all eternity. And so as he pours that holy love that he has into our lives so that we become holy, his heart becomes our heart. And it compels us to reach out to the world around us with the hope and grace of Jesus while the window of salvation remains open. Tick, tick, tick. Take a moment to think, who is not worshipping Christ today who needs to be? Just take a moment and see if God would drop a particular person into your heart and mind. Now take a moment and think, how could you reach out to them with the love of God? And take a moment and see if the Spirit would give you a particular insight into how to do that. And if we're able, can we perhaps just all stand together? Lord, we absolutely love it that you are bringing people into our family and that they're getting their lives changed and they're finding hope and healing and peace and freedom in you. And we love it a little bit, but we can't begin to imagine how much you love. But we look around us and we see crowds and crowds of people doing the Great North Run who have no idea about you. Lord, have mercy on us and make us effective in helping people to see you. Please bring people into our midst. Help us to take you out wherever we go. And for these people that you've dropped into our mind this morning, please give us love for them and wisdom to know how to bless them this week. In Jesus' name. <laughs>